Today's Mob Rules is going to be brought to you in behalf of a concerned YouTuber who recently received a cease and desist uh, to tell them to stop using the word Warhammer as part of their channel name. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really sent out an SOS like, hey guys, if it happens to me, it'll happen to all of you guys. And we just want to let people know, no, it won't because we're not racist assholes. Word. Oh man, back again. Danny, has it really only been like a week since we have spent all of our week together uh, recording stuff? Uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's been well, a fun week though. Hey. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, welcome <clears throat> to Mob Rules. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't introduce us last time. Uh, I am John and the gentleman beside me needs no introduction. I'm Danny. You, oh, no, damn it, I, see, I, you I, ruined absol- it. I absolutely do need an introduction to be fair. I am, if anything, just to, uh, you know, massage my ego. <laughs> Yeah, just you need to know your name. Right. It's important for people to say my name. It's important. It is very important. Um, but yeah, we want to thank everyone who checked out uh, our, our YouTube channel where we uploaded 10 videos. Hell yeah. Over three days. Um, it was a labor of very, um, very quick editing. Um, and I appreciate all the feedback we got on it. Like someone mm-hmm. suggested that we should do like little virtual like demonstrations with models about the rules as you're yep, talking. I'm sure. like, man, yeah, that would have been great if it wasn't for the fact the release date for the videos was changed by like a half week. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So instead of kind of uh, making it a labor of love and, and really great, you got our, our my, my kind of really speedy edits yeah. uh, to, to get it there. <laughs> Hey, fun story for those because I cut it out of everything. Uh, during the recording, <laughs> what was supposed to happen at the end was we were meant to, you know, Danny would be like, hey, you know, and this was us talking about the shooting phase and that was supposed to go like, like hit this. So you had like a regular intro outro music is kind of like mm-hmm. a good little bumper. Um, obviously, what I did was as I was on a different soundboard, hit this button. <laughs> which which really uh which really just screwed up the, the it underscored the professional <laughs> nature of our podcast it really I feel did like. <laughs> it really did um but even though it's only been like a week away uh it's been a very productive week for both of us I oh feel my like. god seriously um danny what have you been up to what on earth have you been up to uh so i had a three-day weekend like most other americans Yay! happy fourth of july to everybody yeah and uh, <clears throat> uh i painted uh, the Necron half built and painted the Necron half of Indominus. So that's basically what I did over the last two weeks. Also, I read the 40K rulebook a lot. You did. You did. So you have that unfair advantage now uh, if you go in. Oh, man. I'm going to lie to you so much. This <laughs> good. Good. Not that you have to <laughs> at this point. Unless you're like lying to me in order to make me feel better. And in which case, you know, all good with that. Nice. Um, but yeah, so you built and painted and obviously in your uh, custom kind of Necron scheme mm-hmm. looks great all around. Um, I Thanks. really like it when you kind of, you're painting an army and you find like the way to do the scheme. Oh yeah. And then you're just like, oh, this is just real easy now. Right. And so I, uh, yeah, a couple of years, I mean, I painted a lot of Necrons for this army, so I kind of have a really good idea of how to paint the army pretty quickly. And so luckily for me, I was... I mean, I was ready. You, you were ready. Yeah. You were good to go. Um, myself, 
I like went into hyper painting mode um, as determined as I am to never lose 10 points uh, yeah, for never course, having painting course. stuff. So in this past week, um, I've painted uh, eight Blight Lord Terminators. Nice. Um, I painted 10 Bolt Gun Plague Marines, uh, a couple more Blight Launcher Plague Marines, okay. um, half of a Plague Surgeon, which I decided I wasn't going to use anymore. So I just kind of kicked it away. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I'll probably use it later. Uh, but like for my immediate needs... Mm-hmm. Um, and let me tell you, like, I think we discussed it uh, earlier slash later when we talked with Phil, the Glacial Geek. There is nothing more satisfying than seeing, like, my fully painted army on the table. Oh, my God. Like, I am, so like, good. two tanks and, and some basing away from just everything being, like, 100% done. That's so nice. And man. it just, it looks great. And I'm really excited for us to, to play. Like, Danny and I are going to play a game of ninth on Saturday. Uh-huh. And then speak kind of with, uh, with the other members of the Road Trager Network um, about ninth and kind of, of how it is. Um, and like I said, I'm just super hyped. Like even if I, if I get my, my rear end kicked, same. Um, like just the fact I'll be playing a game again. Um, and especially everything's going to look great. Cause you know, I have my frontline terrain set. Um, so the terrain's fully painted. It'll be on a mat that I'm just going to like really shakily cut up. So some will be like <laughs> 42 inches and some will be like 44 inches, depending on kind of how shaky my hand was at the time. Um, I'm not going to cut. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's going to be super nice to kind of get in and play. I'm hyped. <laughs> Thank you. You can just feel like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Super good. Um, good job, John. But we have like a lot today, though, that we're going to be going over. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. So much. so much fun stuff. Uh, we usually try to aim for like five, six minutes. Uh, usually we waffle on for like an hour, hour and a half. I know, right? Um, but today we are continuing our favorite segment of the worst characters in 40K. Yep. Uh, we are pulling in an old friend and, and Phil, the Glacial Geek, who is joining us to talk about the ninth edition changes or at least some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sadly, very busy person. So we can only get like maximum the 30 minutes of allotted video time we're yeah. given to record. Uh, without editing things together. By the technology gods. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then also we have a couple other things we're going to talk about, including uh, questions from our listeners. Uh, and generally, we're going to talk about what Danny and I's uh, favorite 8th edition memories are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was going to be a thing we're going to do, too. Um, so let's get started uh, by taking a break. And we'll be right back with Phil, the Glacial Geek. Dude, I'm the best. I took first place at another tournament. First off, stop with the thunder and lightning. You don't impress me. And second, let me check out the BCP rankings. And I don't see you on there. What? Your TO needs to download the Best Coast Pairings app and run events on it. After the event, the results are uploaded into BCP rankings. And the best part, it's easy and free. But I play multiple game systems. No big deal. The BCP app can be used for any game. A ton of events every weekend are using it, from major international tournaments to local stores. And now that it's available on Android devices, you're going to have some serious competition. There can be only one. BCP Rankings is a fun and exciting way to measure how you or your team stack up. No matter what you play, your score goes to an overall ranking. Or compete to be the best in a game, a circuit, a region, or the world. Download the app or visit www.bestcoastpairings.com for more info. Best Coast Parents. Are you the best? And we're back. We are. We are. How's it going? And we're joined uh, live via video and the most high tech of systems that I have. Um, I like it. By uh, podcast alumni. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, I like that. Yeah. And, and someone who needs no introduction. 
But we'll introduce you anyway. Oh, damn. Okay. Oh, yeah. God, no, I that's who I was. <laughs> uh, Phil, the Glacial Geek of uh, Glacial hey, Geek hey. fame on YouTube. Uh, how's it going, Phil? Fame. Uh, quote, uh, air quotes there. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Doing well. How about you guys? Oh, man. I We're mean, as yep. good as can be. We here. We, we here. Yeah. We out here. Alive. So. But doing little things, but we pulled you back on uh, out of the yeah. deep south. Um, yes, to back down here in America, <laughs> to real right. America. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 America, America. Um, to the cheeky with states. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, we're crying out loud. Is it real thing? If someone says, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> if someone call, doesn't say Alaska is not a continental state again, I'm going to lose my shit, man. It's yeah, <laughs> it's Danny's pet peeve. It's, it's yeah, it's not contiguous, but Correct. it's continental. Yeah. So, Phil, the for yes. for people who might not know who you are, um, all three of them. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean the vast proportion of uh, of the world. Well, no, we only have like four listeners. We didn't viewers, cut them off. So. I was going to oh, okay. say three billion, but okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. So I am Phil Glacial Geek. I have a YouTube channel, which I think all of which you've already said. Uh, but essentially, I do a lot of 40k content on YouTube. I do a lot of battle reports. I do previews of books that are coming out. And I do various other stuff that just comes to my mind whenever I want to do it. Nice. So, yeah. Love it. Well, we pulled you in today to talk yes. about Ninth Edition. Yes. Um, this is one of the lucky few to sort of get the Indominus box yes. um, mm-hmm. to review from GW. Um, we wanted to kind of pull you in, get your kind of your thoughts and, and all those things as someone uh, who plays the game frequently. Which uh, yes. someone with a bat report channel will have to do, um, yes. <laughs> as it's almost like your job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as it is literally your job. Um, so yeah, we want to talk about some of the big changes, what you guys are excited about, because um, I know Danny has yeah. been nose deep in this book for for Dude, a deep, while now, deeper, deeper than my nose, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a quarter inch in. Yeah, the whole quarter inch, the whole thing. So. <laughs> So, Phil, on a scale of one to woo, how excited are you? Oh, let me, I was going to say, let me. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah let, me, let me just. Let me just. Turn down your phone. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't set me up for that. Don't set me up for failure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you maxed right out. Like a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not editing that. No. I don't edit. So. Yeah. Sorry for all you wearing headphones. No, no never mind. Not, no, not they're not wearing apologize. them anymore. No, no. Don't apologize if anything. <laughs> You're like, the, the I'll apologize yeah. on my YouTube channel. I refuse yeah, exactly. to apologize on your guys' stuff. Yeah. I, I apologize <laughs> enough on my channel. I'm not going to apologize on other people's channels. That's how we take out the competition. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Via their ears. We've been doing it for five years now. <laughs> it's, it's working so well. Find him onto the channel and just watch him crash. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you are woo level excited for for ninth. Uh, there's a I lot of changes coming here. Um, yes. What are some of the things that really stick out to you? Uh, some of the the major changes for ninth that you are most excited about? Sure, I think that the biggest thing that I'm most excited about is it seems like GW has made an attempt to really take away a lot of like the feel bad moments of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that the change from seventh to eighth really just like uh, like took off the edges that really caused conflict in games, like the, the, the templates or the deep strike scatter, 
the angles of shooting, like armor facings, all the things that you'd have like minor disputes with your opponent, and it just made for minor bad feelings in a game, not like table flipping moments necessarily, but you still have a situation where you're, where you're not, where someone's not happy with the way it works out, even if you have to dice off for it. They, they felt like they made that, they made that good change in eighth edition they moved into it. Even into ninth edition, it seems like a lot of the other feel bad moments they've taken time to do it, like having a stratagem to be able to get out of being tried pointed. Because, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than having your screen tried pointed by their massive assault force that you know you can't do anything about and he's just going to kill you on the next turn no matter what you do. You can't run away fast enough, you can't shoot it, you can't do anything. It just feels bad. You know, and now if you run out of CP, you can't do anything about it. And if they manage to try point two units, you're still stuck. But at least it gives you an option to get out of a situation and you're not, you don't feel hopeless. Right. That's fair. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, I know I primarily play like assault armies and assault based armies. And a lot of my tactics to win was doing real janky, weird stuff to bend the rules in a way to stop my opponent from interacting. So if yeah. I'm tripoding you, I'm doing that so you can't fall back. And if you can't fall back and I have a unit tripoding you in the back mm-hmm. line, you can't shoot my characters who are in the middle of the field. Right. Um, yeah. Like just a lot. Of, and I see a lot of people saying like assault is dead and, and they've really kind of messed up assault and it's going to be a shooting uh, army. All they've done with assault is they've added a level of skill to it that you're going to need to be able to do in order to pull it off correctly. Yeah, and I think that there's some other like tangible benefits to assault as well. Like the decrease in table size is really important. I think that uh, like forcing you to go midfield, like you have to go in the middle of the table to win the game. You can't just stay in your deployment zone and win. Like so, yeah. I think assault armies get a buff there. It's just more going to be like how you can best trade your punching units for their units so that you're like getting a net gain every time. Absolutely, and I think that they also like the reducing. The Overwatch to basically yep. one unit per side makes a big difference, makes it easier to get into combat. Um, and and I think that but a lot of the changes they made seem balanced out with each other because I think a lot of people that were upset with the state of, of Assault in Ninth Edition were looking for Ninth Edition to become the Assault Edition, where, sure. it, was, where right. it was the obvious, obvious choice to take. It was the armies that were going to be dominant were only going to be Assault armies. And I don't think GW wanted that. I, I think they wanted you to be able to choose. If you wanted to shoot, you could shoot. You want to assault, you can assault. Yeah, and it really feels like that's what they that they were bringing with Ninth Edition. I think that they did a good. Jo- I think they did a relatively good job of balancing the two. Like, I think it's going to be always an easier thing to shoot somebody because it doesn't require like the level of movement and placement that assault does. So all, assault is always going to be more skill. Uh, uh, like skill based, like it's always going to be harder to assault somebody than to shoot somebody. But I think that they've done. Some, I think they kind of. It's all. I don't know. I guess it's all side grades for assault, right? Yeah. Right. I, I, you know, like you said, it, it does take more skills to do. But I, it did feel like there were points in Eighth Edition where there were only very few assault tactics that worked. You know, there was there was the mass blob of mm-hmm. of. Um, of uh, possessed that could just go across and are just untargetable and, and, and make it into combat. And, you know, there, was, there were very few other options that would really work super well mm-hmm. and consistently in 8th edition. In ninth edition, it feels like they have more of an option. They have 
more of a chance to get into combat, more of a chance to make an impact on the game. Yep. And I think that's what they were looking to do. And I think it feels like they succeeded. I'm sure we'll find ways to make it broken. I'm sure. Yeah. That that is our lot in life, Phil. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Something else you guys mentioned, kind of talking about assault and some of the benefits we're seeing, is the expected change in table size that we have coming up, moving from like six foot by four foot. Now we're going to the smaller 60 inches by 44 inches. Mm -hmm. Yep. um, Which is what, about 20% reduction in table size? 25. 25% reduction in Mm -hmm. table size. Um, You're starting closer together. Um, you have less space in your deployment zone. It's going to be a huge way um, of changing your game. Uh, it's been well, quite. You, co- sorry, you start staying distant, right? They still have the twenty-four inches. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have less space in your deployment. You, you can't. You can't hide as far away. Yeah, which is a big deal. Even in Hammer and Anvil, like t- knocking like a whole six inches off the back of your opponent's deployment zone just means that you can get into assault with things on the back edge one turn faster, more or less, which is exactly. great. I mean, I know for me, whenever I was playing eighth, if I got hammer and anvil, it was an uphill struggle for me because oh. my opponent just deployed on that back line. Right. And then I'm like, okay, guess I have one more turn of shooting to survive another thing there. It's an interesting change. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at the, the reasoning behind it of wanting to fit the kill team size boards and kind of more of those boards fitted together, um, you can really kind of get it um, and understand why they're doing it there. But it seems to be something that isn't, hasn't been super popular with kind of some of the vocal minority um, of players. Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand that i think it's good for the game overall i think people just are upset maybe that they, that they have their tables they built and they have their maps that they bought that they could just throw down and they're good to go that's how true you kind of have to measure it out and tape it off or whatever but at the same time if unless you're looking to play competitively or you're looking to go into a tournament scene that you're trying to practice or that's what you're trying to do they still play at a six by four and it's it's me in your basement that's what they said yep literally said it's it's optional so the only time it becomes mandatory is if the do at the tournament you're looking to that's what we're playing right and then it's up to them to set it up uh speaking of more controversial topics as well um from the eternal war missions in the book 10 percent of your score is now based on whether you have a fully painted and based army mm-hmm. um, to, to a battle-ready standard. Now, Phil, I know standard on your channel, obviously, is to have a, yeah. everything 100% painted all the time. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to get a, a heads up on any of my opponents. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, this has been seen as pretty controversial. Uh, Danny, what are your kind of thoughts on that? So I think it's really good for the game overall. Um, even though I know a lot of people will probably complain uh, about this feature, I think, especially since local events, like for us, like in our meta, like I'm, and like this is anecdotal, right? But I feel like there's a lot of people that don't have painted armies in our particular like environment. Now, granted, you go to a big tournament and stuff like that, like everything's painted because it's a requirement of the event. But uh, locally, I think it'll cause some friction initially, maybe, and maybe the first few events won't use it, which I'd be sad to see. Because again, I think it's overall, it's a good change for the game. Uh, like I was saying earlier, and John has oft, oft times quoted me um, on this, uh, like, what looks better to somebody who's just like walking in and looking at a game, like, uh, if you have a bunch of people playing it, or if the armies that are on display, like if you have like a, a lesser number of people, and that's fine. Um, but bringing like fully painted nice armies, I mean, that just makes the art that or that just makes the game look a lot better than a sea of plastic. And so, uh, I mean, I think it's good for stores. Like, they'll sell more paint. Um, they'll sell more brushes. They'll sell more hobby supplies. And I think it's good for, like, 
hey, this is what is expected of you when you play this game. Like, it's expected that you'll paint your models. And if, if you want the full points, and you don't have to, like, you can take the 10-point hit if you want. Like, uh, that's up to yeah. you. Um, but uh, I think that it's important to... Uh, uh, I think it's important to... Uh, like keep that, like keep that aspect of it, of that, of the ruling in mind. Like, I think it's just, it's better for the game, the game's health overall. So Phil down, down there in real America, what is your kind of local matter like tournament wise for kind of painted to unpainted? Uh, honestly, a lot of people haven't painted because they've, they've, they've tried since I've moved down here to, to get more of a serious gaming, uh, scene, uh, like some of the more regional, tournaments that they have mm-hmm. um and a lot of the even local ones have had painting competitions involved with with, with the regular tournaments that go on so i think there's always been that emphasis on things being painted um and i know it sounds a little conceited but a lot of the people in my meta want to play on my channel so they paint up their army to be on the channel they're like i saw you on the internet I want to be on your channel. I'm like, then paint your army. You know, I'm, nice. just, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not docking 10 points. I'm just not playing yet. I'm like, because <laughs> nobody wants to watch that on my channel. Doesn't want to see great words go across. The yeah, true, table, true. So. Well, I will say you are yeah. mostly responsible for my painted tyrannids for like this same reason. <laughs> I'm like, I, I wouldn't have, like, I think one time I painted like 40 gargoyles because I'm like, dang it, I want to do this. Yeah, yeah, but I, I got to yeah. paint them up. And I have to say, like, this week, Danny and I are getting ready to play a game of ninth uh, today, actually, or whenever this releases. I haven't, you know, decided okay. the editing level. Yeah. Um, but we've been, like, <laughs> I've been painting hard to be fully painted for that because I'm like, no, I'm going to get at least 10 points from this game. Me too. Um, yeah. And they're like, honestly, the satisfaction I've been putting the units out of and seeing them, I'm like two tanks away from being done. And it looks so good like and it looks so it much better and you know like it gets me excited to play more like mm-hmm. to be honest mm-hmm. like i just i want to put my models on the table when they're done and uh i'm really happy and now that they're done they're done like i don't have to go back and do them or i don't nope. have to worry about it it's stress that's off my plate kind yeah. of um so yeah and i've been working hard too i painted the indominus necron set so that's awesome like yeah. disturbingly yeah. quickly cool. <laughs> yeah. i was gonna say I just got my box. box. I've got like three models. I got two and a half models built. You've got the entire side painted. They even shifted it out there to what, like Canada Junior? (laughs) Well, it was half painted when I got it. Well, oh, something said that you said you were half painted army. Yep. Yep. Now you know where you stand, Phil. so more of kind of like the assault stuff that's been changed here is a couple of like major major things um uh is one uh you need to declare when you declare your charge targets Mm -hmm. you need to be able to physically reach them um during that charge Mm -hmm. so no more consolidating into combat uh, no more kind of using the strats to get like a six inch consolidate to get away. You need to be able to get there the whole time. Um, the other thing, which is kind of adjacent to this, would be that heroic interventions, if you are heroically intervened against, you can swing away on that character who's come in or, or squad that's come in. Yep. Those two are massive changes to, to how they combat really, works. They really are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Phil, what are some of your thoughts about those two things? So I think that the. Having to get into combat with every unit that you declare was almost necessary for them to balance up the fact that they took away Overwatch from, yep. all the, from everyone. 
because otherwise you just declare everyone in 12 inches, I'll figure out what I'm going to do after this. It doesn't require any thought process. And you're just left as the person defending, like sitting there with your, you know, thumb up your butt. And it's like, what am I going to do? That was my anti-tactic. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that's, that's, I mean, it's a lot of people's tactics. You said they're like, well, this guy's like 11 and a half inches away and he double sixes on his charge. But I'm going to declare him and this guy that's like three inches away. And if, and if I, I get, get the, the double stick, I'll go for him. him. I get the field, go for him. And it's like, like right, that's that's fine. They, they both get, get to shoot at you. you. But, but if you're not letting them shoot at you, then there's no, no risk in making that call anymore. So true. Now, if you want to hit that 12 inch, you want to hit those double sixes. You know, that's a that's a huge risk because otherwise you're not getting in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you touched on another point here. Overwatch is now a stratagem, and not just kind of a base thing everyone gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as someone, again, you mainly play Dark Angels here with something like Grim Resolve, where you got that buff to five up. How do you feel about this change? Well, we only got that in seventh, yeah, dude. eighth edition. We just one model. <laughs> it sort of works. But, uh, it sort of works. <laughs> uh, I mean, but, but as, as someone, someone who plays Dark, Dark Angels. Angels who likes like to have a whole bunch of, like, the, 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 the DACA speeders that are sitting there with a gajillion shot each. It's like, yeah, okay, charge me. That sounds great. I'm just going to shoot you, re-roll everything, and then re-roll the wounds. And it's like, yeah, go for it. Have fun. Yeah, I'll be back in 20 minutes when you're done. Exactly. I mean, no one would remove all your models. And that would that would be fine. But then the G-Stealer cult player in me would, like, look at that and like, well... You know, what am I supposed to do? Go against Trident Charge into all these deck of votes, you know? Right. And I think that what they did was they took away, again, those feel bad moments. Because it's like, you know, you're an assault army. You have to assault. And it's like, this person is fine with you assaulting because they get to shoot you again, which is what they want to do anyway. So they get, like, it's good for them regardless of what's going on to you. When you're assaulting, it just hurts. You know, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's like one unit you can use a psychic power on to stop them. You know, so it, it, I feel like the changes that they made make it so that you do have to make tactical decisions. Still, like you know, it's, it's not because you want to avoid Overwatch anymore. It's because you want to make sure you get in. Right. And and because of that, it just increases the level of tactics and process and engagement in the game while still making it. Less of a slaughter for anyone trying to do assault. Yeah. So, uh, and, and along those lines of other things, as a Dark Angels player, plasma overcharging, which I know you're a huge fan of, because mm-hmm. I know every yeah. time we played, I tried to make you overcharge Azrael. Um, it doesn't take a lot to get overcharged. It, it, it does not. Um, but now, an unmodified roll of one always fails on that. Which, uh, yes. for someone I run plasma terminators, uh, you run obviously Dark Angels have a lot of plasma, and there's a yes. lot of easy ways to mitigate that one by getting plus one to hit from from literally 17 different sources. What's your feels on the the now unmodified ones just being there? Oh really? Oh, I I feel better with the unmodified ones. Yeah, I feel better with the unmodified ones because I was more likely to have minus three for shooting into like you know a lightning reflex Eldari flyer than I was going to be you know, getting the benefit of hitting on you know always getting the two result with the plus one hit. So it, to me, it feels like that balance is out. You know, it's like yeah, there's always a chance now for me to blow myself up. Like, like most, most units, especially, especially Dark Angels, Angels I, stand still, still, I can re one anyway. Yeah, but 
I never have, like, like well, well, I can't reroll two twos, but because I was negative 47 hit, because, hit, because the Eldar Flyer is, like, 12.1 inches, inches away from, from me, <laughs> it means that, you know, I'm just dead. So, it feels like a lot of the things they made weren't meant to just, like, take a risk. They were meant to mitigate the feel-bad situation that those risks were inherent with, you know? So yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah I can, I, I, you know, I can't shoot my plasma, plasma at Eldar Flyer because, because I'm free too much of a risk for me to do it. Now, yeah, it's one in six chance, but that's better than the one in, you know, one in the fifty percent chance or whatever would become at negative three. Yeah. For sure. Uh, moving on to detachments. Now, the way armies are constructed, I think, is one of the things that's fundamentally changed. Um, instead of like your detachments uh, gaining UCP, they start losing UCP. Um, and I know, Danny, like you and I, when we're making lists, we're finding it very hard to move away from just like a single battalion because we want to yep. hoard that stuff. Um, what are your thoughts, Danny, on the new detachment system? Well, I think overall, a lot of people are probably going to play with, like, especially if you're playing really competitive lists, I think that people are going to be down CP, or they're going to be down CP from where they normally are, um, like, at the start. And then overall, they might have the same or or a little bit more. Um, so I really have been trying not to spend too many extra CP and kind of trying to keep it to that one battalion. If I have to, I've been kind of looking at maybe adding a patrol, but... Nothing really more than that. I don't really want to spend any extra points. For sure. And then also some of the changes they made, like Supreme Command, gone, as we know it. Right. I've replaced with a much better rule, which oh lets you God, take your so Demon Primarch or your Primarch or your Supreme Commander. And so the rumor is, and don't quote me on this, but... I'm quoting you right now. Right, okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Grab a pen, Phil. You guys are great. I did hear a bunch of special characters are getting the Supreme Commander ability. Which um, makes sense. Which is great. So, or I don't know, whatever that is, like, like the ability, I forgot what the keyword, the keyword exactly is, but you can take them into Supreme Command and they won't count uh, against your battalion, which is great. And then so. finally, a reason to take fortifications. Oh yeah. I'm really happy about that. Fortifications, yeah. if they share the keyword of your um, faction, mm-hmm. which it looks like more and more factions are having unique fortifications, can now take the, the fortification detachment for free. CP wise, right? CP wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. man, I wish I got an eighty-five point three <laughs> for free. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wait a minute, I'm, hold oh, on, I just I just go, go order a whole bunch of fragments from a GSC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now you can take one and not feel super bad about it, though. Really, like, yeah. And usually, I don't know. I find that I'm not using all three detachment slots anyway, um, and that might change in the future as like more games get played and that kind of thing. But. uh uh yeah I'm, I'm totally fine with taking a fortification detachment right now which is great flyer wings Absolutely. oh yeah i'm gone gone too gone get out of get here get the fudge out <laughs> <laughs> after last lvo where my second game was against like a six flyer iron hand list <laughs> i'm just mm, just goodbye uh, I, I had a game at atc where i was jeans got paired up against, against this Eldar Fire, guy who had literally nine flyers and four characters, two of them on bikes and two of them with, like, the the, the jack wing thing that they have. And you just keep moving them back and forth and just keep it so that they were surrounded by the flyers. And I noticed, like, again, it was, like, two guys on a really long charge in there to avoid being engaged with the flyers. It was miserable. And again, back to the game to play. It was so fun. And it was just like, like, you know, you know it, 
to get, get it out of here. So again, like the feel bad, bad moments, they got rid of the two, they got the two, two detachments that led to the most feel bad moments. And then they the and they reduced the effectiveness of the third one, probably, which is the super heavy detachment. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah no more triple lord of skulls. Well, you um, can. Well, you it's can, money, but it's you're mm, paying the points, money, money. Yeah. yeah. Um, out there. So I mean, I'm really happy when, it, and like you said, Phil, there, it seems to be this is the feels good edition. Um, if yeah. you win, you're winning through skill and not because yeah. you found a bunch of janky stuff to do in an assault. Um, exactly, and, and that's a lot of the complaints that I'm, I'm in reading. I mean, it's the war community, so there's a lot of them. But they all seem to be they centered around people being upset that they can't have easy ways to win the game, you know? Where they're like, whoa, I thought this was supposed to be the assault. And now you're telling me that they can also not let me trap them in a perpetual slaughter? Like, that doesn't seem right, you know? And then it's like, no, that wasn't fun for your opponent to get caught in there. Yeah. But at the same time, you're mm-hmm. not going to be overwatched by a thousand, you know, a thousand tanks that are sitting back in the far, far corner for your assault army at the same time. So, yeah, it feels like they really try to take away the bad feelings and make it more of a balanced choice. Where you, you make a deliberate choice of how you want your army to work, and then you just make it work on the table, you know, and make it even more so because you choose your 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 secondary winning conditions so that you, you can literally tailor the mission. That's how you build your army to work. Absolutely. Well, Phil, we're about out of time here. Um, before you go, plug your okay. stuff. I, I'm sure. aware you no. might have a couple things you might want to mention. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. Talk about me? Yeah, it's way well, more exciting uh, than Ninth Edition. What do you enjoy, Phil? <laughs> uh, long walks on the beach. <laughs> yep. um, long, long, long discussions, discussions that last until, until the sun rises. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> do you like dogs? A nice Chardonnay. <laughs> I, do I do like, like dogs. dogs. <laughs> I got music. Be a dog person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's, that's what I'm looking, looking for in a, in a, in a Warhammer band. band. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just, just you know, a, a YouTuber who likes, likes to make. make Stupid content. So I, 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 I do a lot on the battle reports. I overreact to my dice, dice. Um, and, and just have fun. You know? To be fair, we, we've seen your dice. They can be pretty terrible. It's not an overreaction <laughs> when, when you get that six there. And but well, no, I love those I, meme faces. Exactly. And I, I, I do blame Danny for giving me weighted dice, but waited the wrong way for my wedding. It was all part of my plan. Exactly. He's like first step. Yeah, but definitely. Oh. Check out the Glacial Geek on YouTube as he seems to have dropped from our connection. Um, Bye, there he Phil. is. Bye, Phil. Hey. Yeah, I was say, what you, what? That, was, that was a quick way to say. Oh, let me pull this back up here. Awesome. He's going to send us audio because Wait, he can't can hear, hear what we're saying right now. And that I is A OK. But, but yeah. Hear me? Check out the Glacial Geek on YouTube. Um, also, check out his Patreon on YouTube where you can uh, interact with oh, Phil yes. and get everything taken care of. 
Um, on top of that, he, like I said, on his YouTube channel, every Monday he releases a Warhammer 40k battle report. Every Friday he releases a Kill Team battle report. And most Wednesdays he releases a, a Deep Thoughts Thin Coats where he yeah. sits and discusses Warhammer while painting. What a great guy. Though. What a great guy. And we, do we love Thanks. Phil? Do we love him oh, a lot? Hopefully he can hear what he's saying and is just kind of muted on our end. He says I he can't. Can, I can leave his yeah. lips. Oh, right beautiful. Exactly. Okay. I've been practicing I can hear that. You guys. Good times. I Whoa. Whoa. Dude. Whoa. That's crazy. Dang. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we are going to cool take. It, Phil. Uh, this is a family show. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The world is changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth. I smell it in the air. Much that once was is lost. For none now live who remember it. It began with the writing of the great edition. Three codexes were given to the Eldar. Immortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. Seven to the Xenos, great guns and claws. And nine, nine codexes were gifted to the race of men, who above all else desire power. For within these codexes was bound the strength and will to govern each race. But they were all of them deceived. For another codex was made in the land of Nottingham, in the fires of Warhammer World. The Dark Lord Foley forged in secret a set of supplements to control all others. And into these supplements he poured his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate all life. One faction to rule them all. This should do. Man, that's now going to be really out of date as of like a week from release. <laughs> True. Okay, so we are going to now talk about... Um, oh, let me cue up the right thing here. Um, Danny's favorite music that I've ever possibly oh, yeah. done here. Um, we're going to talk about some of our favorite 8th edition memories. We've heard from some of our listeners, uh, some of the other podcasters, a part of the Rogue Trader Network. Um, now it's time for the really important things... Um, what are your favorite memories from 40k 8th edition, Danny? Let me turn this down so we can really appreciate you. So I have a couple of really good memories. Um, so my, probably my first really good memory of, of 8th edition was we played in a States tournament. And this was like 2018, I think. It was a couple of years ago. It was like... The very first states after 8th edition was released, our state championships. Yeah. And I was playing on top table, and I was being... I think they were, I think my, I think the game was streamed. Humble brag, love it. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I don't. I was definitely not winning the event. Like, at that point, I had already lost a game. Um, but I was playing against a fine gentleman named Cameron and his custodes, and I was playing Nurgle Demons with uh, Death Guard-like demon Oh, engines. I think I played you at that event, too, with your stupid list, which had, like, multiple plague... It was all around Epidemius being a jerk, right? He did buff my units quite a bit. He did. Anyway, like I'm playing this game and I can't, he's got like a bunch of assassins and a bunch of custodes and I have no weapons that have good AP value, right? So I'm doing my damnedest throwing all these tricks and like just trying to do whatever I can to blunt it and kind of win the, the, the game on attrition. Sure. As you do. Uh, but also winning it on, uh, on the mission, on the primary mission. And so I worked my butt off and I really came through with a victory at the very end where I was able to push a couple of points and kind of get control of some objectives and 
Oh man, did it feel good. But like Cameron was such a gentleman through the, the entire event. It was probably one of the most fun games of 40k I've ever played, like in my whole life. It was really great. So that was probably my favorite game of 40k that I've ever played. Uh, or at least an 8th edition, I would yeah. say. Can, can I just say, for, for mine, one of my favorite games I played of 8th edition. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say one word to you. Gangbusters. <laughs> yep. Um, so this was at a GT last year. And actually, like I think last weekend last year, because the, the memory popped up on my phone. Um, but it was kind of the inaugural Midnight Sun GT. Um, I had like my entire Eldar, uh, sorry, my entire Nurgle demon list. It's mm-hmm. like 90 Plague Bearers, like 30 Nurgling bases, and this all came from a place of me just wanting to play like a meme list of just like really annoying stuff. And man, did it work. Nice. Um, so I went and played against uh, one of the guys from Fairbanks, Randall. Um, and he had like six Eldar planes um, mm-hmm. and kind of a bunch of other weird stuff. Um, and I have literally zero guns in my army. Right. Right. So again, I just, you know, it was like WWDD. It was like, what would Danny do? And so I was like, play to the objectives. So yep. I'm trying to maximize my score. Um, after turn one, he turns to me and he says, yeah, I killed all your Nurgling bases. Uh, so I maxed out gangbusters. And I'm like, hold on there, buddy. Uh, swarms don't count for gangbusters. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. He asked if he could change his secondary. And I'm like, bud, this is round two of a GT that I want to know at. No. <laughs> I was like, it's not me. And so he went to get the judge. And the judge sided with me. This is like a 20-minute debacle, by the way. <laughs> um, end of the game. I get tabled. Right. I, I won by three points. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> so if he didn't actually uh, take gangbusters and took a proper secondary, I would have lost that game by like one or two points. Yeah. Um, well, that well, it goes to show how important it is to play to the mission. Yep. Because uh, I maximized my score 100%, in that one. 100%. Um, he threw a chair uh, after that game. <laughs> yeah. I, he threw his hat on the ground. Threw his hat like, on the ground. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. It was great. I've s- seldom seen such bad sportsmanship. <laughs> <laughs> that I managed to pull out of someone. That should not be a surprise to anyone who knows me. Danny, let's let's go and, run about. And speaking of bad sports. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah, so uh my second Wait, is this my most this is my most memorable moment, not my favorite moment, right? Oh, sure, sure. Okay. We, we can do either. There's been like a lot. Seldom in when I play my games do I ever lose my temper. Um Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm usually uh or I don't know. I mean like I can get pretty direct, but I'm usually not like forceful or mean. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> during one RTT, I decided I was going to play, uh, like a horde chaos army and it was back when pox walkers and cultist man was like, Oh big, yeah. Right? Yeah. So like what would happen was like, you would make it so your pox walkers going to be targeted. Right. And then every time that a cultist died, it got added to the pox walker. So I unit. just had a huge, like hundred person pox walker unit yeah. at the end of the game. That got FAQ'd real quick. Uh, though. And fair enough. It, yeah, it yeah. totally should have. So, uh, I'm playing a game against a gentleman who was kind of new to our store, um, and he had a Sisters of Battle army. And so we start the game. We're setting up. I so I play very fast, like I would say, if I were yep. to like not to another humble rag here, but like <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not a slow player. And so I put put my army down. I was deploying super fast. I had a lot of models. Um, this guy spent literally 20 minutes deploying and redeploying one repressor full of like sisters of battle like put it here and i'll put it here and i'll put it here and i'll put it here so like 
45 minutes into the round. Jeez. Like, we're not done with deployment. So I call the judge over. I'm like, judge, what do you want me to do? Like, this is this is ridiculous. Like, this guy keeps, like, deploying and redeploying. And, like, I just want to start the game. And so he's like, all right, you need to speed up, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, since I this apparently made my opponent, like, really uh, upset, like, that... And I was pretty direct with him. I'm like, man, you need to hurry up and deploy. Like, we're already this far into the game. Anyway, so he he finally he finally starts. He takes forever, doesn't understand the rules, questions me at every single impasse, like, about every single rule, because he hasn't ever played before. Sure. Edition. And so... <laughs> We're trying to figure this this stuff out, Lord. Like I'm trying to, I'm showing him in the rule book every single time. Time is wasted, so we play three turns. I think it like ends. that's really good for considering a 45 minute oh deployment. Oh my god, dude! Well, I played like lightning. I'll yeah. tell you what. And so this guy, we get into arguments. Like he nitpicks all my movement. Like I'm moving too far, and I'm a pretty precise mover. So another thing. And so eventually he's like, you know, hey, what's your problem, man? Like, do you have, do you have an issue? I'm like, I'm like, well, I mean, you, you are the problem. You're acting like a giant asshole right now. And like, I'm, I'm fucking sick of it. And the judge is like standing at the table. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You need to chill out. You need to chill out. Like both of you guys just finish your game. And I'm like, all right, game's over. Like, let's score. So I go, all right, good game. You know, and I go to shake his hand. He's like, why are you even shaking my hand? Was it a good game? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, you know, don't feel pressure to conform to societal norms of... And I'm just like, fuck you, buddy. Like, seriously, get out of here. All right. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Oh, man. I I did win, though. That's that's pretty memorable. Uh, Another great memory for me is playing against a local player and a Com40K admin, Rob Porter. Oh. Um, which is, you know, never usually a fun time for me. Uh, well, the games are fun, but they're usually pretty short. Um, this time, however, when I was playing him again with my weird Nurgle demon spam list, um, against his like little admag defensive line, um, every morale test I rolled for my demons was a one. (laughs) That's the best. And in one (laughs) turn, I brought back like 14 or 15 plague bears. Hell yeah. Which got me within an inch of his line. Because I just daisy chained them forward, nice, uh, like all the way, and then I just charged like all of his stuff. Um, by the second turn that I brought back ten plus plague bearers in a row, uh, he literally got oh my effing god, and walked away from the table. <laughs> I lost that game, but I won in my heart. In my heart, because yeah. that was my objective of that list was just to be annoying as heck. <laughs> uh, my god, was I annoying as heck with that list? It was super good. I did bit a Tau gun line though. I yeah yeah. We just we just and he placed higher than me. And let, let me talk about why I did it. And, and Phil touched on it last segment. Um, I did it by uh, abusing rules and doing feel bad thing like try pointing and, and making it so like a lot of my stuff was untargetable. Yep. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Gotta do what you, yeah, I'm glad it's gone now. Yep. Me too. Yeah. It'll be better for the game overall. It will. What else you got, Danny? Any, anything else that kind of really sticks out? Um. Okay, uh, I played a game against one of our uh, perennial podcast favorites, Taylor. Oh yeah, yep. yep. Good guy, great guy, teammate. Um, super he he solid. told his favorite eighth edition memory uh, of being very angry at someone playing, uh, and then that, <laughs> that was uh, actually a listener favorite memory. <laughs> Actually, so the guy he was mad at is the guy that I just described. <laughs> Who was your memory. sister about? 
Uh, anyway, uh, so <laughs> uh, I was playing him at a GT, and uh, he was playing Admech, and I was playing Necrons, and uh, we had like this super close game where literally it was one mistake that I made, like I feel like at the very start, where I moved a plane too close to his knight so that he could move past my plane, like through the base. Yeah. If I would have moved blocked the knight, like I would have moved the plane back maybe three or four inches, I, I think I would have won that game because I would have blocked the knight from getting over into my deployment zone. Yeah. Um, but man, what a great game. Like every, it was like a really great back and forth. And I think I lost, but I only lost by like one point or two points. It was super close. Like right. it was awesome game. So much fun. Like I love games like that. Um, I was playing against uh, one of our local players, Brian. Uh, and he had like this great looking uh, guard Blood Angels list. And my single favorite uh, memory from 8th edition from mm-hmm. a game was when I had my line of plague bearers across the table. And I just told him, I'm charging my your entire army right. with this unit of plague bearers. Yep. And he's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm charging your entire army with this unit of plague bearers. <laughs> and I did. Yeah, you did. And turn one. Hell yeah. <laughs> because I, I did some weird janky stuff to make them move quicker. Turn one, every single infantry squad, character, tank in his army was in close combat. Oh my God. All of his blood angels <laughs> who were in reserve couldn't be placed anywhere but his deployment line <laughs> because I had the rest of the table. This is the feels bad Amazing. stuff we're talking about for ninth, by the way, where like that shouldn't like that's a feels bad for yeah, for him. But I mean, that could still all happen. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Don't deploy on your line. If you're playing against me, I'm very aggressive. Very quickly. You can be sneaky, aggressive. Danny, you've been out of recklessly, aggressive. recklessly aggressive. That is, that is mine. I either win big or I lose, uh, lose medium. Uh, that's kind of, <laughs> that's true. You do put up good losing scores, man. Yeah, I'm like 19, 20 points of loss. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, win big, lose medium. It's our new merch that we're going to put out here. <laughs> uh, Danny, you've traveled a lot this edition. Uh, you've mm-hmm. gone to the SoCal Open, LVO a couple times. You've been to Charity Hammer. Yep. Um, how has your relevance been? Like, kind of, what has kind of been <laughs> your your kind of your experience going out of state and kind of meeting all these great people? Man, and it's Peter been the so great. Like, there's been so many great people that I've gotten to meet. Um, like every. Most every single like big big named player that I've met over the course of my travels uh, has been just such a such a great person. It's really been a treat to to meet all these really great players, and I'm hoping that we get to continue that into the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I know Danny and I we both have our tickets booked for LVO. Heck yeah, um, we're excited to go down. We're excited to <laughs> our probably sneak, our sneaky tickets. Our, our <laughs> Our sneaky tickets. That's another great memory for me because <laughs> now three years in a row. I've bought my LVO tickets early by Googling LVO ticket sale <laughs> and getting the link to the website to buy tickets. Before they're up for public. Consent. Before they're up for public. Three oh, years man. in a row, I've emailed Frontline and be you're like, da- hey, dirty dog. I'm really sorry. I did it again. <laughs> um, but no, we're excited to go. We'll probably get a nice little swab up our nose on the way down and the way up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can't wait for that. But we're excited to go because the people we meet traveling it will have been amazing and super great. 
um, we've been able to to meet and talk to like uh, the people from the Best Infection podcast, yep. from the Sister Act podcast, yep. who are just great guys. Um, Dangly Boys. Dangly Boys. Lords we, of Terra. Lords of Terra. We haven't met the NZ40 Cabal yet. Hopefully someday. Um, but hopefully someday we will, uh, once New Zealand lets people with poorer governments into their, their country. <laughs> um, or out Some of. disease-ridden refugees into their country. Um, yeah, we, we helped form the, the Rogue Trader Network, we where did. we all kind of came together and kind of shared our yeah. information, which is... Such a great time. Like, it's been a crazy good addition, uh, man. Michael Timpey uh, from the High Lords of Terror podcast. Not a guy I really talked to before, but he is such a great humor and wit oh, to him. Man. Yeah, he's great. He matches my level of dryness, and I, I love that so much. Oh, he's so very much. dry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely check out their stuff there. Uh, I will say this edition for me personally has been great. Um, our podcast has evolved and changed. Um and, and to the point where kind of it's just Danny and I now, but like we, I feel, have improved year on year on year. Yep. And the only way is kind of up. And just from the heart here, that's because of like listeners and viewers like you guys who are spending mm-hmm. your time for some unknown reason. I don't get it. But I don't get it. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Uh, that let us keep doing what we do for some unknown reason. <laughs> um Special shout-outs, um, all of our Patreons oh, who yeah, support sure. us. You guys are amazing. What a great um, guys. We love seeing your work. We love talking to you guys. Yeah. Um, a special mention, uh, Beals. Uh, Alec Beals. Yeah. Amazing guy. Uh, if you wonder who does this amazing art piece that I'm pointing to in a video, just to kind of explain that to the podcast people, <laughs> um, or any of our thumbnails or any of our great kind of right. can logos, that is all this guy. And he is just like one of the nicest guys. Uh, Kyle. Kyle, what a bro you are. Dude, yeah, um, he smuggles us beers uh, into LVO. <laughs> um, he's, a beer, he's a beer runner. He, yeah. he, he came with us on the, on the pub crawl last time oh, as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, man. That like was a said, good time. Such, such an amazing person. And like I said, I, I know all of our listeners are great. I wanted to single those two people out as two people very special to us. Of course. Um, in, in general. Danny, do you want to do anything else stupid and emotional before we wrap this up and send it to our worst character ever? Uh, uh, to be honest, uh, that's not my bag. I'll let you take us out. Oh, wonderful. Stuff, cool. Uh, I, I already just, did it. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> really jumped on that hand grenade for me. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, we're going to be right back here and we're going to talk about one of the worst characters ever. Um, however, our, our uh, virtual props aren't going to be here until next week. Earl Hagen was a legend. In 1960, he whistled his way into Hollywood and into our hearts. Decades later, he made a comeback, lending those lustrous lips in the 1980s to such bands as the Scorpions, Guns N' Roses, and Pat Benatar. A half century after his humble beginnings, he's at it again. This time without cumbersome musical accompaniment, he'll have you wetting your whistle and whistling along. His new album, Earl Whistles Disney, is sure to be a hit with all generations. Order now and receive a bonus album, Earl Whistles More Shit, a collection of previously unreleased material of Earl's favorite songs through the years. On this bonus album, he demonstrates his newly mastered technique of inward whistling. Order yours today on compact disc or double-length cassette. Also available at fine retailers such as Walgreens, CVS, and participating Sam Goody stores. Earl Whistles Disney. Buy it today.
So, uh, 40K, share of terrible characters. We've done a previous video in the oh, series. Yeah. Uh, by, by the time our next one films, uh, we're going to be having a wonderful whiteboard behind us, uh, which I ordered so we can kind of move up the rankings. Uh, oh, we've nice. done a terrible uh, Necron Pirate. Yep. Uh, we have done Kaldar Drago. Ugh. And we have done uh, Cato Sicarius, oh, the man. worst member of the worst legion uh, known to man. Slash um, chapter, yeah. Same oh, slash chapter, same diff. Yeah, whatever. Uh, if he was around in heresy times, he would have still oh, uh, he would have filled still sucked. Um, also, Kato Scarius, a very big fan club, as we actually got a down vote on the last video um, on a specific Dang. person saying that he was awesome. So, oh. yeah, well. I guess we were wrong. Uh, today, uh, of course, is going to be someone who is uh, familiar to all of you. I don't think anyone is going to really question us at all. Um, it is a mighty, mighty warrior. It is. Um, well, it's something Danny, both and I, we both fielded before. Many times. It is. The Avatar of Cain. Oh, oh, buddy. Um, on the tabletop. Uh, no, great. I played him a lot in fifth edition or sorry, sixth edition, uh, when he was immune to flame and melt weapons. Mm-hmm. And that was annoy- an annoying little trick to come up. I remember specifically I played him against like a salamander's army who was like, oh, well, I guess all my shit's just useless. And I'm like, yep, <laughs> pretty <laughs> much. Die. <laughs> come let me punch you. Uh, he did some neat things like he let people ignore morale and kind of other yep. stuff like that. Um, but he kind of suffers from the fact he is a 25, 30-year-old model. Um, forge world aside. Right. Um, that is just... You shouldn't have to buy the forge world model. No, which cool is just model. not fantastic. Um. Lore-wise, he is seems to be kind of like the measuring stick that everyone else has put up against. But it's right. it's happened so much Ugh. that it's now just bad. It's like a it's like a bad trope. Okay, so let's talk about how the Avatar of King comes into existence. And this like, is the worst part. Well, I I don't know. Yes. Okay. So first of all, I'd just like to preface this all. I really like the Avatar of King. You too. Personally, I just think that. He gets written into lame situations. Like, he's always, like, the thing that people go to fight or go to beat up, right? Right. <clears throat> so, like, how they select... Every year, one exarch from a craft world is picked as the young king from, like, all of the exarchs on the craft world. Do they have, like, a, a dance party or, like... I think like, it's, like, short straw becomes... Short straw. <laughs> like, it's not who's best. It's this, no, who's dude. least popular. Yeah. And that Dire Avenger exarch every Dude. year. Yeah, like <laughs> Thorandil, the Dire Ex- the Dire Avenger exarch, that dude is a fucking jerk. <laughs> let's make him not, let's make him uh, the young king this year. And Thorandil's like, again? <laughs> and so, yeah, like, he's just, so. <laughs> he's the young king every year for like a hundred years. Yeah, he just always gets voted and he, he thinks he's popular, but really just the other Eldar are clowning on What's him. up, young king? Yeah. Oh, that's me. I'm so popular. Uh, so an exarch is an Eldar yep. with hundreds, if not, a th- you know, like a thousand years of experience under his Sure. Head. Yeah, they are. So it's one of the most experienced Eldar warriors of the craft world, unparalleled masters of war you of could a say. dying race. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what better way to summon a one-time use like <laughs> badass than to sacrifice him to the Avatar to make him, you know, come into existence? 
so they they, they describe it as the the birthing process of the avatar like the avatar is like a metal construct that lives in the heart of every craft world Mm -hmm. when it's decided he's needed um like the exarch is given the weapons of the avatar right right. to pull in which by the way the avatar has a giant sword or a giant shield so this dire avenger exarch is just dragging behind him like this massive sword like which is three times the size of his body eldari by the way strength three Sometimes strength four at the max. At best. Uh, At best. So he drags this sword uh, into this chamber uh, where the doors are like closed behind him. Like, hey guys, in like 20, 30 minutes, uh, your avatar will be here. But this soul of an Eldar who's been a craft world master for thousands of years. If he's progressed to the level of Exarch (laughs) for a different thing. He's kind of a badass. He's kind of a badass. He probably knows how to make bone weapons. He probably can commune with the spirits. He can kind of do all this stuff here. Yeah, little little Chaz here, uh, the Exarch, is now completely just mush for for an avatar. I know. So there was an old uh, video game uh, that was The Rites of War. Right, and I don't okay. know if you ever played this. Game. No, no, no. What was Rites but of War? The so it's like you uh, you play like an Eldar craft world, and you are attacking like an Imperial world, and it's like a hex based turn based strategy game. Oh, sure. Um, like Panzer General, that kind of stuff. I think it's in that same style. Anyway, um, so in this game, the intro sequence is them the Eldar like walking the young king into this room right it's like this scared Eldar dude who has to hold this giant sword <laughs> and they like cut his hand with the wailing doom and like smear it across his face and they make him walk into this big like iron chamber that's on fire and then they lock his ass in there yeah and then mm-hmm. an unspecified an unspecified amount of time later there's a roar a i guess blood curdling shriek sort of like roar. The, the t-rex from jurassic park right. it's like he's the goat <laughs> he gets snacked on or the lawyer one of those two things i like the uh once the avatar is done like he he awakes he does his like magic stuff he goes beats up a bunch of people mm-hmm. he just kind of goes chills out in his throne again and deactivates so i have a question about that sure I don't think I've ever heard of them putting away the avatar. They uh, take out the avatar, but they never put away the avatar. You have to put your avatar away. Right. Otherwise, next time you want to sacrifice <laughs> one of your like very few excellent warrior generals, um, it's got somewhere to go. But no, once it's done, the avatar returns to its craft world. Uh, does he teleport or does he have to walk? No, he walks back. Like when he's done with his murder rage, like a kill bot that reaches its set limit. Um <laughs> He uh, he sits in his throne. His armor cools down, and the fire goes away. I imagine it's like you know, like one of the old guys who's like sitting on his couch, and there's a bunch of kids who keep like yelling and playing in in front of his uh, house, and he doesn't get up. And then he gets up. He goes back and yells, and then goes and sits down in front of the news again, and right. then calms down. And that's how the the and it's a cycle every every. Day. That's the cycle every time. Um, so the avatar, uh, as we mentioned before. Uh, is used often uh, to show how powerful another character is. So the Avatar himself lost the... So Kane, literally, like at the very start of 30K, lost a giant battle with Slanesh and got shattered into all these pieces. Shards of the Satan, even. first... Yeah. (laughs) No. We're We're not doing that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Now, now I sort of, I guess, okay. I guess, I guess he could be, who knows? I think he's more like a manifestation of like corn and. Oh, and for uh, sure. Yeah. My, uh, a 
giant god who's angry and wants to fight and kill all the time and you have right. to sacrifice to get him there. Right, right. Wonder what chaos god that feeds. <laughs> so so Kane loses the like one of the very first fights that he's ever in, right? In the fluff. Gets shattered into a million pieces. And then <laughs> I mean, I granted he did fight in the war in heaven, I guess, probably. 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 And so he gets shattered into a million pieces. And uh, so then they wake him up, right, uh, in 30K because they want to give Fulgrim a message. Like, they're like, hey, Fulgrim, like, horses stop. Gonna turn. Eldrad, my fucking man, is it- like, dude. Just stop. Come on. You don't, you don't, don't, don't do what you're going to do. And Fulgrim is like, no, bitch, I do what I want. It's my hot body. So he, he smacks around all the Eldar. Like he beats up a Wraith Lord or whatever. And then the Eldar like, fine, dude, you asked for it. Here's the avatar. And Fulcrum's like, oh, this guy, nothing but a bitch. Chokes out the avatar. How do you choke out a model, a unit? That, this like, is pre-demon Primarch Fulgrim as well. Right, so it's he's just, just a regular, I mean, granted, a re, just a regular Primarch, right? But he chokes out the avatar. How do you choke out a thing, something that doesn't breathe? Just Fulgrim like choke him on the ground with a wire hitting yourself. No, like taking the bloody like, hand and like smacking him in the face. Like a golem strangle, like he strangles the avatar. I guess it kind of crushes his head or whatever. So, so there's some unique battles here. Now, I did source these from one D four chan. So, so solid, solid, good solid, good source. Some of these might bit, not be accurate. A little bit left wing leaning. Um, you know, we'll take it. He was killed. Uh, an avatar was killed by Marnius Kalgar in hand to hand combat in the fifth edition Space Marine Codex. True, true. He was possessed by a keeper of secrets during the invasion oh, of the fuck. Elder Craft world. True. God, that makes me so mad because he's like... So, he's not a person and he's a demon. Uh, based on the tabletop of his demon keyword and the fact you have to sacrifice it and you know, pull him out here. Demons, inhabiting demons. Um, I don't even know what to say to that. So, trampled to death by 12 stampeding carnifixes during the battle between Craftworld Ayendon and High Fleet Kraken. <sighs> he got trampled? What a fucking inglorious way to die. So what happened apparently was the Avatar was goaded into uh, a, a fight with the Hive Tyrant. Right. And what he didn't see uh, was that there was 12 Carnifixes sitting to the side. Being herded by a Tyranid Prime going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as soon as he stepped out to one-on-one the, the Hive Tyrant, which he wouldn't be able to do anyway, uh, he just got kind of stampeded. Um, uh, as you mentioned before here, Strangled had his neck snapped by Fulgrim. Um, and as they remind us, the Avatars are living metal statues and neither breathes nor has bones. Oh, good. I'm glad that they noticed that. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, killed by the Sanguinor. <sighs> Come on. He's like a little dude. <sighs> was. Right. I'm just so mad. Like, he is such <laughs> a fucking whipping boy. He is. Uh, he was doused in a great flood by the water people uh, after his raw power and heat defrosted them from their icy imprisonment by the space wolves. That's questionable. I don't know if I'm going to believe that one here. Um, what story is that? Because now I want to read there, it. There was no source on that one. So if anyone oh. wants to point out what the source is in that one, or if this is just lies, please please let us know. If it's just 1D4 journalisms. Um, yeah, it's pretty much. Uh, put out of his misery by Lorgar. Um, oh, yeah. No, there was a corrupted one. That one yeah. was weak. And it's Lorgar damaged. did whoop its ass. Yeah, and Lorgar is a little bitch, which we were going to talk about. Oh, but I, ref- I, re- I refuse. Yeah, we, re- we refused that one. Uh, that was uh, Danny used his. Sorry, I used my veto. His veto and Lorgar from that one. <laughs> Um, he was stabbed in the heart by Mogan Ra uh, to temper his sword. 
Um, so hold on. He even gets killed by other Eldar. Like, yeah, he's because the representation of their god. Because because he had to make his like sword gun the more, more. Yeah, he had to make it more badass. Uh, he was abandoned on a maiden world. Uh, had his connection with the Eldar severed, and reduced to a mindless state of rage, uh, which consequently called out the orcs of the nearby system, who were happy to answer it. Um, and then they came and, and fought the Avatar. So they just left a shard of their god behind on a maiden world. What the? F- what are Eldar doing? <laughs> uh, they were killed uh, killed by the Legion of the Damned when assisting the invaders. Uh, when the Legion realized their flaming bolters didn't do anything against Avatar, they instead shot the roof until the roof fell down on it and killed the statue of Mantle. It's like it's like Jack Burton shooting the ceiling in. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, somehow, oh, we read this book. They were fused and corrupted by a gene stealer patriarch who took over it on the craft world. Uh, that was on the uh, uh, yeah, that was Anari the book. book. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's so dumb. And then a purer shard of the Avatar of Cain called the War Shard was killed by the Incarn uh, very quickly. However, it says here because the Incarn was easily defeated by Araman, it does not say good things about Cain. So he's used as kind of like an Imperial Fist narrative whipping boy. There you go. That's exactly uh, so what he is. Like while Imperial Fists are used. To really kind of cement how awesome an enemy is at killing most things, Avatar is used to cement how good a character is at killing things. Right. The problem is he's been used so much. It's like a trope. It's like a trope now. Uh, it, it's his very own trope. Um, but that's going to be our Avatar of Kane. Uh, next time we talk about one of our worst characters in 40K... Uh, we're going to start ranking them by how bad they actually are. Uh, and at the end of the season of this, we're going we're gonna to argue off between the two worst characters to see which is the worst of all. Nice. Do you have a single wound? A standard bolt gun? Having trouble maintaining an acceptable Xenos kill count? Only barely over two meters tall? Maybe it's time to ask your lieutenant if the Rubicon Primaris is right for you. The Rubicon Primaris is a prescription process that helps you to update that tired look. You may notice an increase in your purging abilities after two to, within two to four hours. You may experience loss of life, additional organs, and a points increase. Do not take the Rubicon if you plan on fitting into rhinos, drop pods, or other traditional vehicles. The Rubicon Primaris is not intended for second founding chapters. The Rubicon Primaris is for use on genetically enhanced super soldiers over the age of 800 only. You are encouraged to report negative side effects to your company's apothecary. The Rubicon Primaris. Because sometimes plot armor is just not enough. All right, Danny, you asked our wonderful Patreons today if they had any questions for us. uh, And then I forgot about it until very recently, so I didn't have a chance (laughs) to convert it into wonderful text-to-speech. Um, so shame, 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 shame. Um, so, uh, one of our first questions here, which unit do you think is the new dark horse, um, uh, of ninth edition? What, what unit do you think is going to take advantage of the rules the most? Man, that's a really good question. Um, great answer. One, Next question. One, one unit in particular. I don't know. That's, that's tough. Uh, or I guess what are some examples of units you think rather than narrowing it down to okay, just one? So I think... 
I think AdMech are like unbelievably broken right now. Sure. And so I think it's only going to get worse as time goes on. Uh, oh, here's here's my example. Castle and Robots. I think Castle and Robots are going to be like one of the most disgusting units in the game right now. For sure. Yeah. Like they can shoot into combat now. So mm-hmm. you can't even just lock them up. And it doesn't matter if they like lock down so they can shoot twice. <laughs> They're gonna they're gonna just be able to blow away. They're gonna get like eighteen shots apiece. They can shoot you in combat. They have access to plenty of buffs to hit, so that they will be hitting on fours or threes, even shooting into combat with their heavy weapons. Uh, I think they're gonna be really gross. Um, I think that. Uh, uh, let's see what else. What other armies are really good? I think Space Marines are gonna be really good. Um, uh, no, like, wait, we no, have like, a. No shit. Right, oh my Danny? gosh. Yeah. Space Marines? I know. Good? I know. It's crazy. In this day and age? I know. It's nuts, man. Um, I'm not video recording the segment, but I'm <laughs> slapping the table vigorously <laughs> in, in anger right now. Uh, uh, I think yeah, I think that like impulsors and transports are going to be really powerful, and you're going to see a lot more of that stuff on the table, which is great. Um, I think the Lehman Rust battle tank is pretty decent right now. Uh, I think the turret is a little bit lackluster. Um, it's, like it's the sponsons really that they kind of make I mean, it right. Man, if you can wipe out what you're in combat with with a bunch of heavy flamers, but I think what's what's really ch- I think sponsons are going to change really hardcore because everyone's worried about like oh yeah you shoot your heavy bolters into combat, but if you like the chance of a heavy bolter killing the squad around it, or it's very very low. slim, right? So I mean, it's really kind of blast weapons are going to be great. But it's going to really change the sponsor. So I think you're going to see like more defensive um, Lehman Russes where you're going to have side flamers. Right. I think that that's I think that's the new go to. Um, yeah. Two two side flamers and a heavy bolter just to keep it cheap or last cannon if you really want. Yeah. To. Just for so. like a little cheeky one there. But like I think a lot of units got like some really good buffs from this. Oh my god. There's so many good. Like it's hard for me to describe. So first of all, in in full disclosure, I also haven't played a game of ninth yet. 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 Um, that'll change, uh, obviously. Uh, but I think that there's a lot of good things going on um, with uh, with ninth edition, and I think that there's a lot of units that you're gonna that are gonna see the tabletop more consistently um, that you didn't see before, really, uh, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know, like personally, like making my death card lists, mm-hmm. I don't feel anything is necessarily bad anymore. Yeah, for sure. Which I, I think is a great thing on, on on ninth and kind of the rule design in that where yeah a lot of the janky stuff has gone away, but nothing necessarily I'm taking is bad anymore. Like if I want to take a noxious Blightbringer, which is something I would never really take him before, now he's pretty good. Yeah, um, that's like a psychic awakening thing, sure, but it was designed with like ninth in mind, mm-hmm. and even with all the rules changes, he's pretty good. Um, and it just uh, that's what I like is just the the options is being open open up for this year. Um, we were asked a bunch of questions for Phil too because I said, hey, we're going to be joined by Phil. Uh, let me know if you have any questions for him. And then we didn't ask him anything, uh, so let's just answer his questions for him. Oh yeah, no, I know the answers to all these. Yeah. So uh, Russell's like, has he got over Gav Thorpe admitting that Dark Angels are traitors? Uh, no, no, not at all. No, he um, hasn't gotten over anything at all. Uh, we're going to ask him, what's he been up to uh, preparing for ninth? Stupid Dark Angel shit. Stupid Dark Angel shit. Yeah, he's probably like assembling some bikes. He's going to paint them green, even though thematically they should be black. black. Like, yeah, he's just like, on. you know, yeah. Uh, if there's any Terminators, those are going to be green too because he prefers those schemes. Weird. Uh, and like a power gaming jerk, 
not only is he going to take over shooting with his Space Marine Dark Angels, but he's going to take over close combat with his Gene Sealer cult because he likes to spread out a little bit there. Yep. Um, what else we here? Did vehicles get a significant boost? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, we'll see if the meta shifts too hard into vehicles, though, because I kind of think that might happen initially where it's, people are like, oh, got to take all the tanks I can, and then everyone's going to be like, well, got to take all the last cannons I can, yeah. and it's just going to be, like, well, not last cannons, but good good anti-tank weapons. Like I know for me, like I was heavily down in the Plague Burst Crawler um, when I was kind of making lists until I saw uh, one of our Patreon's Voltanists list where he took three of them, and he described the joy of character sniping with the plague mortar. Oh yeah, that's going to be really big. Which is going to be really big. And then I realized, I was like, hey, it's a vehicle. I have two flamers on the side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're plague web. Like, just let's go. Well, let's kind of get out of there. So I kind of max those out. I think they're going to play a big thing, but I think everyone's expecting them to be really big. So I expect the first couple of months that this game is out, vehicle heavy lists are going to struggle because really good players are going to come with the ability to take down two or three vehicles a turn. Yep. Um, so I think there's going to be some mitigation you're going to have to do to get to move away from that. I know I personally, I'm, I'm like, I'm not moving away from hordes. Yeah. Like, I, I know. I, I think they'll still be fine-ish. Like, there just won't be as many of them. If you have the ability to reserve them, I think that's going to be really bad. And, like, looking at the blast weapon rules, right? I mean, yes, it does more damage against hordes, but it should. Like, if we go back to, like, 6th edition, when we're using templates, hordes took more damage from Lehman Russ. Hordes took more damage from blast weapons. That's true. This Um, is a way of kind of getting that feeling back, which, again, they should take more damage, but without kind of the argument of the template. Because I've had times where I'm like, hey, man, he is not under that template. Right. And it's like, he sure is. Or moving that that scatter and be like, hey, it's actually this direction here. Right. And... And that's fine. Like, and you can also game the templates by doing, uh, by being really good at placing your models two inches apart, like right. every single model two inches apart. Right, which again speeds up the game. Yep. Because I used to do that. For sure. Me too. Hormigan squads got to be like exactly two inches apart the I whole know, time. So they can only hit like four, like five models yeah. maybe at the most. Yeah, max. Yeah. And that's a conversation I've had with opponents where it's been like, you should be able to hit five models max. Yep. Um, but yeah, so so that, that would be that one. Uh, vehicles are going to be a big star. But you can't rely solely on them. Yeah, I've got um, this one, John. Yeah. Uh, what is the most underrated rules change? I think the most underrated rules change um, for me personally has been the charging aspect. Okay. Um, that's been pointed out as being a big change, but I don't think people realize how big a change that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of the charge rules combined, and I know we asked Phil about these earlier, Um having to make every declared charge me as an assault based player that's a huge change to how oh, i yeah, view sure. the game and how i view the board mm-hmm. like people have mentioned it in passing but i don't think people have realized quite how much of a change that is you can't do like a safety charge anymore right and i can't do like a safety charge with like before i would charge with corn berserkers declare everything within 12 because i know i could like cp six inch movement to get there anyway um, right. I have to make sure I make that charge there. Um, the other underrated thing that the, is the heroic intervention. Sure. Like just having, I used to be able to, even when I played Eldari, um, and I had, um, Azerman and he would always be just within heroic intervention range. 
of like your front line. You of my front yeah, line. Yeah. So my front line was there to take the charge. Mm-hmm. Azerman was there to heroically intervene and just wipe out anything that charged them there. Um, and not being able to safely do that anymore is going to make me really change how I play. Because for me, it was fine because Azerman can kind of heroically intervene. You can't touch him. His sword is going to mess up anything that goes in combat. It's going to do good damage. But now if I heroically intervene and that squad's going to be like, okay, cool. I want to hit that guy. Right. That is a huge change. That's a big change. What about you? What are some of the underrated things you've heard? Uh, I think coherency is the biggest. I think coherency and the way the changes to the psychic phase are the two biggest ones for me. Mm-hmm. Um, coherency is huge, and that affects so many different units. Like, And you're going to have to be really careful and mind the way that you place your unit because um, you can really screw yourself over by losing a lot of models in one go Right. if your opponent catches you out. Right. Um, or if you move, remove casualties in the wrong way. So it's really important to place down your unit and have like a really good think about how your, like you, your unit is like incoherency. Giggity. Um, <laughs> uh, the other ones, the psychic phase change is actually really large, uh, because you can't necessarily save up like two powers from one psyker and then save the big one until the end of the phase. Right. You have to go like psyker by psyker and complete powers as you go. Mm-hmm. So... Like you may want to spread your powers out on your psychers a little bit different. So that means you may not have all of your best powers on the psyker that gets like a plus one to cast or something like that. Um, so that's a big change. And then finally, the other big one is morale. So I think the morale cha- change is huge. I think it makes hordes way more durable for that stuff, especially if they don't have leadership mitigating abilities. Right. Um, like 10 guys taking five casualties is probably only losing two guys. Like, and that's a big deal. That really is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really huge too. And probably underrated. Um, something we have here, I think it's going to be your last question here, but why are bases measured in millimeters and distances and inches? Um, because I I don't have a good answer for that because when games workshop was, were they using, um, Imperial or Imperial units still? They've, they've always used, um, inches and always measured their bases in millimeters. Well, I know, but like, when did England switch over to the metric system officially? Like, um, like big time, big like time where people weren't just using that. It's like the, the forties, fifties, something like that. Really? It's been a while. It's, oh, yeah. Well, I don't have any good answer. For I don't that. have a good answer. Um, I think it's just because, uh, it's, it's easier to, to do base size as, and those are kind of some mil. standard base sizes that other games and things like you right, know, used. Right, right. So. And then they tried using centimeters and millimeters for Battlefleet Gothic. Mm-hmm. It was one of the reasons I didn't like the game. Yeah, also for uh, Warmaster, I believe, used that. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, so it was one of the, yeah, it's, it wasn't great. Um, but yeah, and then uh, he follows up with, uh, shouldn't we use the metric system instead of squared eagles per three freedoms? And no, we should always absolutely not There's, measure things by birds. We do have one more question. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how does grab weapons? How do grab weapons measure up in this edition? I uh, think they're the go-to choice right now because we kind of we already know the points of them. We already know they've gone down, and the stratagems haven't been FAQ'd yet, so right. they're still just as potent as before. The only difference we're seeing is where they're going on a Devastator squad base instead of a, a Centurion. Centurion squad yeah. base. So they're just as potent as before. Like I know in eighth edition, I was seeing grab drop pods. They're oh just yeah, as, for sure. Especially iron hands or something. Right. Like that, yeah. Right. And them coming down in points isn't going to change the fact that five dudes with a three up save aren't going to survive long. Yeah. No, no. 
They're like a so, so they're one there, and done kind of a thing. They're a one and done thing still. So it's just it goes all about mitigating how you deal with it. And everyone's saying grab center, uh, grab devastators are going to be like the next huge thing. They're not paying attention to the terrain rules. They're not paying attention to kind of like the the reinforcement rules because like the grab drop pod's a new hot thing, right? Well, what if like I screen out my the board so you have to drop in one or two places mm-hmm. and that minimizes your field of view to my stuff that you can grab. I mean, that's fair. I think it's probably hard to really screen out a 24 inch range gun with a smaller deployment sure like board size but even then you're you're killing what one two vehicles so depending on how much the squad costs i think it's like 125 135 points something like that i think that they trade up really really well i think that that unit in particular is very underpointed probably um we'll see how powerful it is the thing you have to remember is it seems really great until you realize that they're all heavy, so they're minus one. Right. Um, and you can only use the uh, gravi- uh, the grav amps or the uh, gravitic amplification on them mm-hmm. on one squad per turn. So if you have one coming in turn one, turn two, turn three, that's probably pretty good. But if you have them in any other forms of reserve and you're getting two at the same time, that's probably pretty bad. And if you're trying to plan, like drop them in via drop pod to, to kind of mitigate some of the damage you're going to take if you're automatically minus one because people leaving transports kind of is moving, right? Yeah, sure. So 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 they're already minus one. So they're hitting on fours. Right. Generally, most stuff you're shooting at is going to find a way to get a further minus one. Sure. Um, it's just... And there's a couple of ways around that, of course, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Like uh, ultramarines can don't always count as, always count as stationary if they're... Uh, in their tactical doctrine, iron hands if they're in devastator doctrine. Yeah, I just I don't think but, it's the the killer unit everyone thinks it's going to be. Yeah, I th- I think they're probably pretty good. Um, if you want to take them, I'd recommend it. Oh I yeah, they're probably a good trade unit. So it, like you trade them for something that costs a lot more than. If them. you're not an Astartes player, just have ways to think about totally how to counter them. Yep, just think of ways that you can mitigate their presence because they will kill something probably. When yeah, they come down. When, whenever they come down, they will take one. Um, and then, yeah, that, that, that's all I want to say. Um, that's good. <laughs> if you guys have any further questions or if you want to ask, uh, Danny or me, anything else, uh, Danny, the tournament winning player, me, the unknown, uh, thanks frontline for really kind of hurting me in the feels today. Um, <laughs> uh, message us, uh, leave us a review, do all kinds of fun stuff. We will only answer questions of five star reviews cause we're that kind of scummy podcast. <laughs> do you have a single wound, a standard bolt gun? Having trouble maintaining an acceptable Xenos kill count? Only barely over two meters tall? Maybe it's time to ask your lieutenant if the Rubicon Primaris is right for you. The Rubicon Primaris is a prescription process that helps you to update that tired look. You may notice an increase in your purging abilities after two to, within two to four hours. You may experience loss of life, additional organs, and a points increase. Do not take the Rubicon if you plan on fitting into rhinos, drop pods, or other traditional vehicles. The Rubicon Primaris is not intended for second founding chapters. The Rubicon Primaris is for use on genetically enhanced super soldiers over the age of 800 only. You are encouraged to report negative side effects to your company's apothecary. The Rubicon Primaris. Because sometimes plot armor is just not enough. 
Man, what a what a great episode Dude, we had what today. What an episode. We we heard from Phil again. It's the first time in like 60 episodes that we've had him on. Apparently, That's... he really enjoys being on. All we had to do was ask. Who, who knew? I had no idea. I had no idea. When, once I mean, you, I kind of knew, I guess. Once you leave the podcast, <laughs> you really don't want to come back. No, yeah. You were no, like, oh, it's... man, the dark part of my, of my life is behind <laughs> we forget me. about that. I found some greener pastures. <laughs> oh, but if you want to see some really well put together battle reports that have just like a great energy behind oh, them, man, yeah. uh, Glacial Geek on YouTube. Um, obviously, his content was kind of slowed by the corona. Uh, right, right. He hasn't COVID. put something out in a few months, but but he ran. I mean, he ran out of battle reports, and he's been socially distancing himself. Which yeah, is well, and, and honestly, like for the past three, four, I think five years, actually, now he's released one battle report a week, every week, at least once, at least. He so there's does a lot of kill team battle reports too. So if you there's like at least that. three to four hundred battle reports you can check out. Oh, uh, so every army on his stream is painted. Yep. Um, it looks great. Uh, he has like said a really infectious personality. So definitely kind of check out his stuff there his laugh makes me laugh every single every time, time. i miss that man so oh, much i know me too and so much he, he should just not let his wife follow her dreams and he should just <laughs> live here just forever. crush her under his heel <laughs> and come back so danny and i can be happier right. yeah, that, that, that's absolutely Love what God it is Phil. <laughs> um yeah so, so so that is yet another episode of mob rules um it's been fun. We've talked about our worst characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we caught up with an old friend. Uh, and we're we really excited. We talked a little bit about 9th edition. We talked a little bit about 9th. And from this point onwards, we're solely 9th, buddy. There's I no 8th edition memories. That sound effect is gone. They're not, see you well, later. Yeah. See ya. See, see you later, music. Uh, yeah, it's, it's gone now. It's, it's going to be gone. You know what else is gone? Ninth Watch <laughs> with the Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to listen to that goddamn bird anymore. Well, you don't have to. But that is should. gone. I, I, I will. We'll probably turn this into something else. It's, it's a pretty good uh, thing altogether. Um, and then, but thankfully, there's some things that are going to be staying. Uh, we're going to keep our uh, baseless speculation. Oh, yeah. Brought to you by Spikey. Bit. Because there will always be <laughs> baseless speculation. Uh, there will always be baseless speculation. Oh, yeah. And then, I forgot about the hard ending on that one, too. Yeah, that's a very hard ending. We're not going to fade out. We're not a fade oh. out kind of person. And then also, this is going to say the... I'll blow a hole in you with my... Corrections and omissions. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because let's let's face it. Uh, I probably said three or four wrong facts this episode alone. Probably. Please point them out. Way more Send them that. to us. Yeah. Uh, let me know where I'm wrong. Uh, Danny's pretty sure I'm wrong about that plasma thing. No, I think you're right. I oh, forgot. Dang it. Um, man, that just ruined my outro. <laughs> yeah my bad dude i was wrong it's all good uh danny i'm very excited to play you saturday uh, we're gonna get a, a game in ninth in we're gonna figure out how stuff works heck yeah we'll we'll try and take some pictures we're, and we're put gonna them take some pictures we're gonna put them up uh, oh yeah we should put them on our on our facebook too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll be free it'll be great um but yeah follow me on twitter uh hey john q uh please just send me just awful diatribes if you're a terrible person oh yeah um, please yeah, do that, that's happened just a lot send, this week just send john a lot of awful things it's a lot of fun because I, I just say thank you and <laughs> then kind of move on i get told i'm unimaginative i'm like yeah you're, you're really right uh, i'm not um if and you then, have any pictures of like gross sexual injuries you can send those to john as well he really <laughs> please enjoys don't do those. that please, please send them no, please don't do that. <laughs> uh danny on twitter is uh vilicate five yep don't send uh, me any pictures we're, of we're not going to tell you how to spell that so you don't send him any gross pictures of sexual injuries that's fine you can just search for me it's pretty phonetic uh mob rules ak on facebook mm-hmm. uh mob rules on patreon uh if you're dumb enough to want to give us money to continue this thing and um, if you are dumb enough thank you so much yeah we really appreciate all the of you guys of yeah and then check out our videos on youtube like i said last week alone 
Uh, we released around four hours of content. Hell yeah. Uh, Danny broke down the new ninth edition rulebook phase by phase in a way that's helpful for beginners to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also people who just want to see what the rulebook looks like. Yep. Um, I, for one, super happy there's bullet points. Oh, man. I'm very, like overall, the organization of this rulebook is excellent. It's fantastic. And you know something we didn't talk about? What's that? There's a glossary in the back with commonly used what? terms. Yeah, man. Does it have raw as a commonly used term? No. Oh. Well, because the Games Workshop doesn't believe in that, dude. <laughs> they don't believe. You know that. <laughs> they don't believe in rules is written. It's fine. Um, but yeah, for another Mob Rules, we'll be back in two weeks. But I've been John. I've been Danny. And we will see you next time. <laughs>